this is WTM. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I ain't drinking up. First, you gotta do the Trump show. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W-G-M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity, Brett. Call me Lone Wolf. I think very highly of myself. And I've also earned it. I'm positive this is the third time we've tried this. <laughs> Having some technical issues. A little bit. Some weird ones today. Ones we've never had before. We uh we didn't get very far, so it's okay. I did tell a story about how this is the first time that I'm joining the <laughs> podcast for a top ten list. Yeah. Uh and then I joined the A list. There's a, I made a joke about nobody tells you about the dark side of the A-list and uh, feeling like uh, you're free to go see movies like Cats in the theater. Well, that's the thing. Nobody forces you to see Cats. I know, but... Or Doolittle. But <laughs> Doolittle was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Doolittle was funny. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was. <laughs> Did you see it? No, I didn't. I, I think oh, you, me too. I think anybody would... Uh, it's it's for all ages. A couple it's, fart jokes in there for you? Oh, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I don't feel like I'm forced to go see movies like Cats. But I don't feel like uh, there's no like negative to going to it because it the more movies I see, the less my per movie payout is. You know, I pay the, the the flat fee for the month, so the more movies I see, the better per movie rate I get. Time's a valuable commodity. And so, if I'm not doing anything, and I just want to go to the theater for a couple hours, like, I, there's, there's no, like, impediment to me doing that now. There's no financial impediment to it. Yeah. And so, I feel... Uh, like I can go see movies like Cats, and I really shouldn't, cause Cats was awful. <laughs> it was bad. Then again, after you've seen every other movie in the theater, and that's like the only one left, and you got one left for the week. Stay home. <laughs> Watch wrestling. I feel You'll like fall I'm, behind. I feel like I'm wasting my my movies. <laughs> well, you could feel the same way about all the you know how much money you pay for cable. All the movie channels. That is true. And they keep taking them away from me. Netflix? I don't pay for Netflix. I don't? No. That's right. Help from uh, Colorado on that one? No (laughs) comment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So, yeah, Oscars are this weekend. And in addition to this episode being our top ten Favorite films of 2019. This is also our Oscar prediction episode. Yeah. Not necessarily what we want to win, but what we think will win. We're betting on that. We casted our vote on these nifty focus features ballots here. 
They're very professional. Mm. Got them at the theater. Let's see. Jones and I bet on this last year. The winner got to pick the uh, intro clip for the other person for five episodes. And he ran Jones out of town. Ran him off the podcast because his feelings were so hurt by the just. He stayed mal- on like another six months. The malicious, <laughs> the malicious clip that you chose for him. <laughs> it took six months to play the five episodes <laughs> of, of his uh, punishment clip. <laughs> I think eventually you got through it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we have the Oscars without a host again this year. Still so white. Mm-hmm. Still so uh, male. What about us, Brett? What about us? That's true. What Hashtag. about us? Hashtag. What about us? <laughs> if I if I gotta watch the Oscars, I'll I'll live tweet and I'll hashtag What about us on every fucking one. That was almost a year ago now. That episode. That was like two years ago because I first originated it when they announced <laughs> that us was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh, I was it was like a year and a half. So it was like. Summer of 2018, I think, is when I coined the hashtag. <laughs> it was it was almost a year before I got on Twitter just to actually use it. Mm-hmm. And I've used it quite a few times, but uh, that was my moment. I remember there being a lot of people arguing on Twitter and whatnot in the spring and in the summer, you know, if... The Pitanyango doesn't get nominated for us, you know, we riot. Right. Now like I'm not hearing that shit at all. All I'm hearing is like, why didn't J Lo get nominated? Yeah. Or where's Greta Gerwig's nomination? And uh Aquafina. <laughs> where's even, the farewell on here? I didn't even see that movie. Uh but uh yeah, um after this episode posts, if we get to actually post this, <laughs> if it works, <laughs> uh we'll post out or I'll tweet out our uh, pictures of our ballots. You can follow along on Twitter. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll be live tweeting the Oscars. First time you've ever watched the Oscars from soup to nuts. You watching the red carpet? I don't know. There's a uh, Ring of Honor's got a show on in the <laughs> afternoon. I don't know when it ends. Yeah, I think it's on early. I think it starts at like two, so I'm probably be over by five five thirty. There you go. Red carpet doesn't start until six six thirty, so you got that. I mean, can't miss moments like uh, Sasha Baron Cohen dumping ashes on Ryan Seacrest's tux. What about that dude that uh, grabbed uh, Scarlett Johansson's titty? Is that still happening? I don't know. When, was that at the Oscars? It was at something. It was like I don't think it was at the Oscars. Very. It was early in her career. Not early in her career, but like I don't even know if I remember that. I forget what his name was. I think he worked for E. And uh, he was a he was a, a gay gentleman, and uh, he felt like it was uh, you know just uh, okay to grab her tits. One of those things he can do, apparently. You know, you, when you're when you're a gay person, you just grab by the titties. Are you gonna leave that one in? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to? gonna come up with a sound clip where it's like when a joke doesn't land as well as you want it to i forget i thought like a car crash i thought we had something like that or maybe i suggested it and you haven't recorded it yeah i don't know (laughs) we'd be playing it a lot (laughs) oh wait i still think you buried my uh 
on the Ghostbusters episode, you buried my joke about uh, just because you are a dick doesn't mean that you have a dick. Mm-hmm. I I said it twice. Yeah. And you you just no sold it both times. Well, didn't the second time you say it is when I added the just because you are a character doesn't mean you have character. Yeah, you had to explain it to everybody. Well, I wasn't explaining your joke. It was a callback to our previous episodes. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's better than you acted. <laughs> I'm trying to keep the show moving. All right, let's go. All right. So let's. Uh, we're not going to go over all the categories on here. Uh, we'll start kind of towards the back of the ballot, move towards the front. We're going to start with the technical Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, original screenplay, I think Quentin's going to win again. Be his third Oscar for original screenplay. I got the same thing. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Uh, adapted. Jojo Rabbit's been winning a lot of awards. So I think that'll get it. See, I picked the Joker when I filled this out. I'm gonna you mean, stick, I'm you gonna mean stick Joker? With, uh, stick with, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I picked Joker when the when I filled this out about three weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stick with it. People are really jerking off to Joker recently, so uh, mm-hmm. stick with that. I could maybe see the Irishman win it as well, or maybe even Little Women. It'll be like the consolation vote. Yeah, potentially Little Women, but uh, I don't know. They didn't think it was that good. Right, I did it. not see the two popes, so I cannot comment on that. Let's go to international feature. I think Parasite's got it in the bag, of course. I mean, it's nominated for Best Picture, and the others aren't, so yeah. <laughs> I'd be surprised if it, if it doesn't win. That means it shouldn't be nominated for Best Picture, mm. right? Pretty much. Because if you're going to be a Best Picture nominee and you're a foreign film... Yeah. It's like when uh, Toy Story is nominated for Best Picture, and it's... <laughs> Like took his Toy Story three was nominated for Best Picture, yeah, and animated feature. So then, oh, I wonder which one's gonna win. <laughs> it would be a huge upset if Parasite lost Best uh, International Feature. Are they calling it that? Doesn't it used yeah. to be foreign language? It used to be foreign language film. Next up, directing. I think Tarantino finally gets his directing Oscar. I think so too. I think uh, Hollywood loves him some Hollywood. I think it's. Crazy that Todd Phillips was actually nominated. Going into, I, before I saw Joker, I didn't have the highest of hopes because I was like, well, it's Todd Phillips. So, I mean, people loved Joker. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why, but uh, I guess he had it nominated for everything. I like Joker quite a bit. So, I mean, I guess I was impressed with his directing abilities. But just, you know, a year ago, if you would have said, hey, uh, Todd Phillips is going to be nominated for Best right. Director. I told you to get the fuck out of here. Would you put Greta Gerwig in his place? Did you ever see Little Women? No, that was the one Best Picture nominee I couldn't see because they yanked it from the theaters I get to go to for free. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to pay for that one. Uh, yeah. So, um, next up, cinematography. I think 1917's gonna e- easily win it. That's what I picked. They, it's 1917 is my pick for cinematography. Cinematography? Said very good. <laughs> very good. You don't even know that reference. You don't even watch corporate. No, but I remember you uh, <laughs> telling me about it one day at work. You need to watch that show. The, the last season's coming up. 
Animated feature Toy Story 4 is what I'm I think is going to win. I yeah, I picked that too. We got too many of the same picks. Frozen 2 wasn't even in here. It wasn't nominated. I don't think uh people liked it that much. Yeah. Or not I don't nearly think it's as much. that strong of a year for animated features, so I didn't see any of those, but uh Toy Story 4 seems like uh something people would vote for. Supporting actress, I think Laura Dern's going to get it. See, I picked her, too, because everybody's like, Laura Dern, she's the best actress ever. I could maybe see Florence Pugh. She's uh, been on such a roll this year. Three great movies. Honestly, this was her worst performance. uh, Three well-respected movies. I haven't seen all of them. This was was her worst performance, Little Women. Like, she should have been nominated for Midsummer or for Fighting With My Family, but Mm -hmm. Little Women, she... She's probably the best in that movie, but it was not her best performance. Okay. Leading actress, I have Renee Zellwidja winning. Oh, I picked Scarlett Johansson. Judy, I have not seen, so I, I, I don't know. Your vibe, but uh, I think all the buzz is that she's the uh, leading candidate. I could see that. She's the front runner. ScarJo's got that soliloquy in Marriage Story, <laughs> though, that, like... 10 minutes where she's in the in the lawyer's office and she mm-hmm. goes and gets a Kleenex and comes back and <laughs> like that's and then yelling at Adam Driver. I I think that the academy likes that stuff. But they also like biopics about old Hollywood stars. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a toss up. Um supporting actor, I think Brad Pitt finally gets his first acting oscar he has two oscars for producing yeah i, I think he best gets picture it. winners he seems to be uh the the golden boy this year leading actor i have joaquin phoenix winning for joker same best picture i have once upon time in hollywood me too. tarantino finally uh gets a best picture winner so what's it gonna it's gonna come down to supporting actress and a lot of the other stuff and editing uh, adapted screenplay and then some of the other ones where we just kind of throwing guesses at the wall yeah i think i have documentary feature in the bag though with american factory (laughs) (laughs) the obama's uh netflix documentary so i didn't know that was obama's movie when i did this i won't change my pick though well we'll try to go for it all right well after listening to this episode, yeah, you can see all of our complete ballots on Twitter. And then follow along. Are you going to tweet too? I might. Uh, you know, I tend to, but I think you would spend a little more time in the uh, trending timeline joking along with other people, and I'm trying to pay more attention. I, I'll i probably just do one thread with a bunch of starky remarks. Yeah. Hashtag, <laughs> what about us? <laughs> That would not surprise me. I don't. I don't necessarily go in the trending uh, topics, but uh, maybe I will. But uh, yeah, at positively wolf one, at watches underscore movie. Yep, follow along with us. Follow along, and the rest of the uh, I don't know twenty five million people. Probably <laughs> another low year for the Oscars. It, probably, although there is. Multiple movies that did very well at the box office that were nominated for Best Picture. So I could see an uptick in the ratings. The Joker is a popular movie. That's nominated. 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is popular. Even Parasite made a bunch of money for an international film. Yeah, this is uh, one of the years where it seemed like the best picture category is filled with really popular movies. It's been a while since I've kind of noticed them picking movies that people actually talk about and like and did well at the box office. So without uh, further ado, let's get into the top 10 here. All right. Our top 10 favorite films of 2019, Year of Our Lord. So we'll just go 10 to 1, and then after that we'll do some honorable mentions, Mm -hmm. some films that just missed the list. All right. You want to go first or shall I? Doesn't matter. All right. I'll go first. Coming in at number 10, Joker. Joker, not on my list of top ten. Mm-hmm. It was it was good. I enjoyed it, uh, but uh, I didn't care for the ending. And there's too much Bruce Wayne. <laughs> too much Bruce Wayne or too much Thomas Wayne? Uh, too much Bruce Wayne's parents dying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't need to see that again. Yeah, it never bothers me when I watch his parents die. It's it's almost like. It's a tradition. I can't wait until Robert Pattinson's parents die in the Batman movie. I think part of it was I kind of Robert expe- Pattinson's Batman parents, not his real parents. I didn't. I didn't expect it to be. Uh, or I. I thought it was going to be like all this, you know, you know, gritty character study of the Joker and mental illness, and I, I kind of assumed like, oh, they're not even going to mention Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and then he showed up. Like I was okay with his dad in there. Uh, until he died, and then I got to see that scene again. <laughs> oh, he grabs their pearls. Spoilers: <laughs> Some people don't know that Bruce Wayne's parents die. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, what did you like about it? Did you did you want to say anything positive about it? <laughs> <laughs> Made my list. Although I will concede that I think the the list overall this year is weaker than. In past years. Okay. Like uh, the first, my, my, my top three, top three or four, you know, I really like. And then it was kind of like, I don't know, there's a bunch of movies I thought were decent. Mm-hmm. I could throw those in, I guess. But I wasn't over the moon with some of them. Although, you know, for example, a list from last year, which I should recap just to go through the changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> last year... Uh, my number 10 was Thoroughbreds. Vox Lux was at number nine. And then I had Hereditary at number eight. A Feudal and Stupid Gesture at seven. And the favorite at six. Mission Impossible Fallout was five. Annihilation four. Roma three. Stars Born two. And number one was The House That Jack Built. And the only update I had to that was Vox Lux moved from number nine to number seven. <laughs> <laughs> and seven and eight, or, you know. Moved up one. But, like, Mission Impossible Fallout at my number five. Fuck, I, I think I've watched that five times. Hmm. find it entertaining as hell. I think I've seen maybe three of those mm-hmm. movies that you listed. Yeah. You know, I think even my honorable mentions I probably enjoyed or thought were better than honorable mentions this year. Hmm. I think uh, my top nine are definitely my top nine. And then, like, from there down it gets a little more muddied as mm-hmm. far as what i like best so 
Joker. Um, usually we go through the details again. Mm-hmm. So just to go through it again, directed by Todd Phillips, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, Francis Conroy, Britt Cullen, Shea Wingham. A synopsis in Gotham City, mentally troubled comedian Arthur Fleck is disregarded and mistreated by society. He then embarks on a downward spiral of revolution and bloody crime. This path brings him face to face with his alter ego, the Joker. Mm. I think what really puts it on my list is the performance. I mean, I enjoyed the movie. thought it was good. I didn't mind the ending, I guess, as much as you did. Yeah. Um, I think I liked it slightly better the second time watching it, mm-hmm. which is what kind of put it on my list. But it's at number 10, so it's right. barely on my list. <laughs> You haven't even seen Little Women. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix is just so good in here. Uh, I do think it is the best performance of the year and well-deserved. Mm-hmm. It'll probably uh, get the Oscar. Uh, if you get that physical transformation, and he lost, what, 40-some pounds, I think? Uh, yeah, he he's usually a bit of a doughboy, and he was uh, anorexic skinny. Especially uh, one of the last films he, he was in, you were never really here. That Lynn Ramsey film where he uh, goes after I've never his seen abusers it. of children. I've never seen it. I saw it once. Came out. I think it was a film last year. He is. He's got a gut in that movie. Mm-hmm. He really lost some lbs for this movie. I do like the themes and issues it talks about with mental illness and kind of how people are cast aside in society, mm-hmm. even today sometimes. But, yeah, I think his performance is what really makes it worth watching. I think I gave it an eventually at the time. Maybe still keep it eh, eventually soonish. And we don't have to go over all the ratings again, but right. it's kind of right around there. I think Joaquin is what really does it for me. And I did uh, – I also kind of liked the Batman tie-ins, the mm. Thomas Wayne and Bruce Wayne. I still ch- I chuckled again when Thomas Wayne popped him right in the face. <laughs> That I didn't mind. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> come near my son again, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> uh, it was hilarious. Thomas Wayne showing some balls. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, good cast all around. Had the feel of Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy. A lot of late 70s, early 80s Scorsese. So, mm-hmm. Which is weird. I remember when this film was announced, it was like, oh, yeah, it's being uh, executive produced by Scorsese. And now his name is like not attached at all. That's weird. I s- thought it was still on there, or maybe right I'm thinking of a different movie. But there was, there was some movie that I remember seeing, and it might have been that one that I remember his name popping up in the opening credits. I'm like, oh, that's weird, but it makes sense. You know, it's an homage to him. Yeah, he's not uh, listed in the, as one of the producers. Hmm. So, uh, what is your number ten, Brett? Number 10, just uh, just squeaked on the list recently. It is called Ford versus Ferrari. Didn't make my list. Bit of a, a bit of a shocker there. I had <laughs> no interest in seeing this movie whatsoever after seeing months and months of the trailer for it. Mm-hmm. And then I felt obligated to see it as it's a Best Picture nominee, and I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's directed by James Mangold. 
stars Matt Damon, Christian Bale, uh, John Berthal, uh, John Bernthal. Uh, let him watch. Let him watch. Catriona Balfi, Josh Lucas. Josh Lucas is a real uh, piece of work in this movie. <laughs> He's a real jerk. Uh, let's see. Synopsis is American car designer Carol Shelby and driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference, the laws of physics, and their own personal demons to build a revolutionary race car for Ford and challenge Ferrari at the 24 Hours of Le Mans in 1966. Yeah, like I said, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought uh, Damon and Bale played off each other really well. Christian Bale was fantastic as Ken Miles, uh, real entertaining. And it was, uh, yeah, it, I don't know. I, I just really enjoyed it. It was, it was a, a lot better than I expected. Not that I expected it to be bad, but yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. It was kind of what I expected it would be. I figured I would like it a decent amount, which I did, especially since 67 Shelby GT500 is my favorite automobile. Yeah. Not obviously not in the not in the movie, but an earlier version of that. And I'm uh I'm not I don't claim to be a car guy, but and neither do, am I. I do yeah. enjoy to watch uh I did enjoy watching them building the car and testing it and then actually going out and racing it and mm-hmm kind of the tactics that they used throughout. Um, and then the give and take between Shelby and Miles and uh, the Ford company. Uh, and then the uh, the rivalry with Ferrari was great. So Yeah, I thought it was fascinating to kind of learn about Shelby. Yeah. And I knew I didn't even know who Ken Miles was. No. I, I knew who Shelby was. I had no idea who Ken Miles I've was. I've heard of Carol Shelby. I know that he designed a car, but that was about mm-hmm. it. But, uh, yeah, and it's two and a half hours long, and it just, you know, the pacing's good. It it's, zooms by, doesn't it? It never feels like it, it lags. It it keeps on moving, and uh, it keeps you engaged, and there's little funny parts to it, and uh, a little bit of drama, and, uh, yeah, number 10, Ford vs. Ferrari. All right. Let's see, my number nine, Midsummer, mm. on your list, huh? Number three on my list. All right. Then I will yield the floor to you since it is higher on your list. Midsummer is uh, directed and written by Ari, Ar- Ari Aster. Stars <laughs> so uh, Florence Pugh, Jack Raynor, uh, Wilhelm Blomgren, William Jackson Harper, uh, Will Poulter. That's probably the main cast there. Uh... Synopsis, a couple travels to Sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled midsummer festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a uh, pagan cult. I thought this movie was amazing. You did. Fucking great. Loved it. It's a slow burn, Mm -hmm. daylight horror movie. Just creepy vibes throughout, and then it keeps you on your toes, makes you feel like, are you being insensitive to this village's culture, or (laughs) are they actually as fucking crazy as you think they are? (laughs) I I thought it was the acting was great, the writing was great, 
built tension throughout and uh, just fucking crazy shit happening. Uh, I thought it was great. Amazing. I think I like Hereditary slightly better, but I still haven't seen Midsummer since I saw it in the theater. So it's been one I want, been wanting to watch again soon. Mm-hmm. And I think it might change quite a bit. You know how much I love Florence Pugh. So, oh yeah, can't you know? She I can't the, have a list without Florence Pugh on it. She got those sweatpants on through the whole show, <laughs> the whole movie. <laughs> um, Till the end. Yeah, I like the slow burn too, and I've been pining for a daylight horror film. There's some great like foreshadowing and just like little things that he hid throughout the movie that kind of come back uh, around towards the end or yeah. towards the second half, and I, I really appreciated how he did that. I mean, it's not like a whole lot surprised me. Like, you kind of see a lot of it coming, but that still doesn't make it any less, you know, creepy or like know, even, impactful. Like, uh, there's there's some scenes that are shocking, even if you know it's coming. Yeah. Just, just the way that he filmed it. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't cut away from stuff that other directors would have. Yeah, Astor definitely likes to show skulls being crushed in a variety of ways <laughs> in hereditary and midsummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh Mids- midsummer was my number 3 and you're number 9. My number 9, yes. Um yeah, great um great performance from Florence Pugh and uh, I kind of like what Ari Aster's been up to lately. Yeah, like I said earlier when we were doing our Oscars, I thought this uh, that Midsummer was Florence Pugh's best performance of the three movies I saw with her this year, mm-hmm. and if anything, she should have been nominated for that over Little Women. Yeah, we can get to some more snubs uh, later on. I'm sure as we get down towards the top of our list. Yeah. Uh, my number nine, I have a feeling, is pretty high on your list. It's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That is my number two. Oof. Number two. Way up there. Slow year. <laughs> <laughs> so, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Neil Hirsch, Margot Qualley, Timothy Oliphant, Bruce Dern. There's a whole bunch of people in there. A bunch of... Hollywood kids, royalty. Uh-huh. Synopsis. A faded television actor and a stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969, L.A. So Tarantino films are what I look forward to the most. Like whenever they're announced, I'm just it's like I've been waiting two years for this one to come out. Right. You know, basically. And uh, yeah, he didn't disappoint. It's not. One of my favorites of his, like out of his nine, if you're counting Kill Bill as one, yeah, this would probably be seventh. I yeah, think. I, I'd put it, yeah, probably around there, somewhere in the middle, middle bottom. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think I put Hateful Eight at the bottom, and then maybe Death Proof, and then this. I really like Death Proof. Yeah, I like I like I like them all a lot. Hateful Eight's st- like the only one that I'm like, yeah, I like it, but I'm just I'm not there yet with like uh, I'm not over the moon with it. Yeah, I've been meaning to rewatch all his movies. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, 
But uh, this is such a fun hangout movie. I can definitely see myself watching this once or twice a year, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not twice, but once. I saw it twice in the theater and then uh, once on Blu-ray after I bought it. I've only seen it the one time. Uh, the only, Probably the main reason it's number nine on my list and not higher is because I really didn't care for the scene where they kind of just glossed over his time in Italy oh, yeah. with the voiceover. I thought that was... Uh, you wanted like another 15 minutes? No, I'm saying, well, not necessarily, but it, it kind of, the movie was starting to kind of drag at that point. Not necessarily like it was bad, but like you started to kind of feel the, the runtime at that point, And mm-hmm. then they just cut it out. And then he just kind of like hurries up. He's like, let's get through this. We'll tell you what happened. We won't show you. And then mm-hmm. we'll kind of quick tell you what happens when it gets back. And then we'll get back to the action. And then the ending just fucking was amazing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like I said, that's probably the main reason why I have it down at number nine and not higher, because it's just that one section kind of kind of pulled me out of it. Might be a stay tuned for that missing section with that proposed four-hour cut coming out. Potentially. Yeah. Could be some uh, scenes from Italy there. And, but, they, I mean... Runtime didn't bother me. If it was another 15, 20 minutes, we got to see some stuff in Italy. I would have, I would have liked that too. Yeah, but I, I think at that point it was uh, like you were starting to. It was, it's really kind of slow and meandering up to that point, and then yeah, uh, you're kind of waiting for some action to happen, and and then they, you know, they kind of go away from how the rest of the movie is filmed. And do some narration. It was weird that uh, Kurt Russell was narrating it too, considering <laughs> he was playing a different character earlier in the movie. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, other than that, fantastic. Loved it. Great finish. Yeah, great soundtrack. Cinematography was great. Production design is just incredible. Yeah. They really transform L.A. into 1969 L.A. I mean, I know. I was there. but <laughs> Sure was. I mean, it's number two, but it wasn't close. Like I didn't have, it wasn't a hard decision between two and one. Mm-hmm. I knew what my one was and this didn't really get close to two. It's kind of a little bit of a drop off, but I mean, yeah, I love this film and uh, you love those good hangout movies where you get to hang out with characters you like a lot, um, which is kind of reflected in the acting nominations. Yeah. Got Pitt and Leo. Yeah, I both thought, at the top of their game. Yeah, they both did a great job. And Al Pacino is funny. <laughs> There's a lot of great characters. Whole cast is incredible. Yeah, good stuff. And hey, who doesn't like movies about Hollywood? I'm a white male. Okay, that's why it's going to be the best picture. <laughs> that was so my num- said about La La Land. So that was my number nine, and your number two. So you got to do number eight next. My number eight is Honey Boy. Ooh, that's my number seven. Mm, got pretty close on that one. All right. Do you want to do the uh, honors then? I guess so. Since it's slightly higher on your list. You liked it one spot more than me. Honey Boy was uh, written by Shia LaBeouf and directed by Alma Harrell, uh, starring Shia LaBeouf, Lucas Hedges, uh, Noah Jupe, 
And uh, the synopsis is a young actor's stormy childhood and early adult years as he struggles to reconcile with his father and deal with his mental health. Shia LaBeouf was fantastic in this movie. Uh, fucking loved it. Yeah, he was great. I, uh, I really uh, enjoyed the story. I thought it was written well. Acted fantastically. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything bad to say about it. It was just a great movie. It's such a unique movie, too, with him playing his dad. Yeah. And a, it's a pseudo It's a, yeah, mostly autobiographical. Yeah. I'm sure there's some liberties taken here or there, but it's pretty much his life he's putting on the screen, his, his family life. Yeah. Which has got to be hard for anyone. Well, and then I don't know if his dad is still alive or not, but, like, I imagine, you know, when his dad sees it, like, you got to, that's a, that's a weird conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, dad, did you see me pretend to be you kind of abusing me? <laughs> but you still, you still loved me, and I understand that, but it's, you know, you didn't understand, you didn't know how to do it. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf definitely is one of those actors where I have no problem separating the actor from the real life person. Like other people, I, I guess sometimes it's hard. Like, well, I don't really like that person. Yeah. But this one, it's just like, well, in personal or in real life, generally he's been a douche. <laughs> well, I think this, he's, he's had a lot of problems. This movie gives you a real insight into why he's like that. Yeah. Cause like if you had the childhood that he had, where he's supporting the family, he's paying his dad to be his chaperone as he mm-hmm. makes a TV show, uh, and his dad's like giving him cigarettes and letting him drink, and he's hanging out with yeah. ladies uh, who may be of the night, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not a good childhood. Um, I mean, a lot of those Disney kids don't turn out so well. <laughs> Yeah, just child stars in general. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have a child, a normal childhood, you're going to have problems as an adult. And uh, like I said, this is a great insight into kind of why he turned out the way he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially over the last five years or so, he's taken on a lot of challenging roles mm-hmm. in great films. It's like he was in this, Peanut Butter Falcon, possibly a Stay Tuned for later, American Honey. And uh, Nymphomaniac, uh, Volumes 1 and 2. Uh, he's done a lot of great work over the past several years. Mm-hmm. It seems like uh, he might have turned a corner after Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. Uh, at least he claimed claims to have somewhat turned a corner. So hopefully he can kind of get his life in order. And like you said, uh, getting insight into maybe why they act certain ways. Right. Uh, it kind of provides a, maybe a better understanding. But, uh, yeah, I'm always excited for the next, like, Shia LaBeouf movie because it seems like after his, uh, like, all his Transformer movies and all the blockbuster movies he did, once he was done with that, yeah. he's just taking on roles and movies he finds interesting. And he isn't going for the paycheck and, uh, you know, things of that nature. So I'm always excited for the next uh, Shia LaBeouf movie. There you go. So, Honey Boy, you're number eight. My number seven. My number eight, you just mentioned it. The Peanut Butter Falcon. That is my number seven. 
Oh, so we got them flipped. Yep. So you liked Honey Boy just a little better. I liked Peanut Butter Falcon just a little better. No, wait. Honey Boy was my eight. Peanut Butter was my seven. So I like Peanut Butter a little better than Honey Boy. Yes. <laughs> whatever whatever way you is correct. You get chocolate my peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> whatever way it actually is is what I think I said. <laughs> so I guess yeah, we kind of flipped that one anyways. Um, so my number seven, yeah, is Peanut Butter Falcon. That's your eight. So yeah. I'll go through the details here. The Peanut Butter Falcon, directed by two people, Tyler Nilsson. And Michael Schwartz, starring Zach Gossigan, Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, Bruce Dern, Thomas Hayden Church, John Bernthal, John Hawks. Synopsis, Zach runs away from his care home to make his dream of becoming a wrestler come true. Loved it. Yeah. It's the feel-good movie of the <laughs> year. I was just going to say, what a, it was the best feel-good movie this year, I think. Nothing bad to say about it. It could have been higher on my list if I liked the ending more. Like the way you talked about how they kind of rush once upon a time. Yeah. I thought they kind of rushed the ending with Peanut Butter Falcon. I think they mishandled it and then rushed it. Because the last like 30 second shot is like you just kind of threw that in at the end. You think there's about 10, 15 minutes left in the movie. And then it's yeah. like, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not going to ruin it, but. I actually liked the ending. So, yeah. which is funny that you have this higher on the list than mm-hmm. me. I thought it was just kind of sloppy. But uh, I think I actually read when this came out and we talked about it that uh, the studio wanted, the the ending they used is the one they wanted to use and the studio wanted them to change it. I believe I read that. And uh, they insisted that they have that ending. Okay. Yeah, I, I like it that much because performances are just that good oh yeah the buff's great and zach goss again fantastic is great in here and uh yeah very heartwarming and like i don't know D- dakota johnson from pretty much anything yeah she was okay I, I don't think i've seen any of her movies other than this thomas hayden church i thought was great as the uh the has-been pro wrestler yeah this movie hits close to home for me because i had uh had an uncle with down syndrome and he mm-hmm. was a wrestling fan yeah. And so kind of reminded me of him. Mm-hmm. I could see him maybe doing something like this. But uh, so uh, there's a little bit of a personal connection there for me. But I loved it. I loved how Shia LaBeouf, uh, his character treated Zach, you know, as an equal. He didn't treat him like, uh, you know, with kid gloves or special handling. He He, he let him you know, uh, handle things like any other person, like he, like he would, uh, with any other person. And, uh, it really opens up the eyes of Dakota Johnson's character. Yeah. And I thought that was fantastic how they wrote that in a way that wasn't condescending or insulting to, uh, to people with, uh, special needs. Yeah. It's definitely a movie that tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. Makes you a little misty, maybe from time to time. It's here in the eye. Yeah. And then Jake the Snake is out there beating the <laughs> shit out of him. <laughs> uh, loved the Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, so that was your 
That was my number eight. That was your eight. That was my seven. And we already went over your seven, which was my eight. Yep. Got your chocolate, my peanut butter, my peanut butter, and your chocolate. Uh, so we're to. You mean honey. It doesn't work, though, does not Back to back. It's not the ingredients for Reese's. Back to back Shia LaBeouf's. I don't think he'll make another. I don't think he did any other movies. So If Jones was here, he would have been on his list twice because he's a LaBeouf boy. Is he? Yeah, he loves Shia LaBeouf, too. So I guess we're up to my number six. Jojo Rabbit. Did not make my top ten. So, Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi, starring Roman Griffin Davis, Thomas and Mackenzie, Scarjo, Taika Waititi, Sam Rockwell, Rebel Wilson, Stephen Merchant, and Archie Yates. Synopsis. A young boy in Hitler's army finds a Jewish girl hiding in his home. Now, I edited the uh, synopsis as, as well as you did. Although, when I first talked about it, I don't think you did. I don't know. I don't think I did back in October <laughs> or whenever it was, November. Totally ruined it. I wasn't paying attention, though, so I, I didn't, it didn't ruin the surprise. So, I mean, I, I had a mild interest in this. I liked uh, what we do in the shadows. I think Taika Waititi's funny. I was a little worried that some of the humor was just going to get monotonous and repetitive and mm-hmm. just like Germany thought they were going to win World War II and they didn't. Yeah. How dumb are they? Right. Like, I don't want two hours of that. It's going to be fucking annoying. <laughs> so and it was professionally not that. Like, one of the first jokes was, like, exactly that. It was, like, a German might joke. Yeah. I was like, here we go. And then <laughs> and then they were kind of done with that. I mean, there's, they poke funds at the Germans and Nazis in different ways, but they provide some hand, humanity to Germans in general, not the Nazis, I guess. So I guess there's some detractors, like, oh, they're humanizing Nazis. I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> if you, By humanizing, you mean ridiculing. I, then, did, I, did, hear yes. about, I, did, I did read something about that, that uh, people were having that opinion. Maybe the Sam Rockwell character? Kind of like when people had a... Uh, you mean when, oh, well, I don't want to spoil the end, yeah. but. Uh, but people said something similar when Sam Rockwell won the Oscar for Three Billboards a couple of years ago. They're like, well, he shouldn't have won for playing that role in this movie. It's like he was too good at being a racist. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't encourage people to be good at playing a racist. <laughs> How dare you have an antagonist in a movie? Yeah. But. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised with this movie. This also starts uh, tugging at the heartstrings a little bit. There is a, a tone shift, and I think you were of the opinion that you didn't weren't huge fan of like the tone shift because it was so dramatic, right? It's such a massive yeah shift. I, I thought they didn't do a great job of uh, juggling the comedy with the drama. They flipped the switch pretty fast. It's kind of yeah. like the camera's panning along, and they're like, "Oh, this is a different movie now." It, it sure is. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> it gets real, uh, real tense, uh, real quick. I thought the performances were good, especially by the uh, child actors. I also found it to be very heartwarming and a hopeful film overall. It also ends with a song. It's uh, "Heroes" by David Bowie in German. <laughs> it's also in um, it's in a movie called uh, "Perks of Being a Wallflower." And 
Uh, I really loved it in that film. I'm a big fan of that movie. So it kind of got me with the song a little bit at the end, but it kind of plays over the last scene, mm-hmm. which um, is a bit of a callback to something earlier in the film. And I thought everything just kind of worked uh, perfectly. It gave me the gave me that warm, tingly feeling, you know? There you go. So Jojo Rabbit was my number six. My number six is a movie called Richard Jewell. I didn't see this one. I, it's one of the uh, films I missed that I think could have made my list. It's fantastic. Directed by Clint Eastwood, starring Paul Walter Hauser, Sam Rockwell, Olivia Wilde, John Hamm, Ian Gomez, uh, Kathy Bates. Synopsis. American security guard Richard Jewell saves thousands of lives from an exploding bomb at the 1996 Olympics, but is vilified by journalists and the press who falsely reported that he was a terrorist. Uh, the acting performances in Richard Jewell are amazing. I have a bone to pick with you, Brett. There's no such thing as false reporting. They're just reporting, Brett. And and to be fair, they, they didn't report that he was a terrorist. They reported <laughs> that he was a suspected terrorist. <laughs> so uh Paul Walter Hauser, I don't I, I think this movie got buried uh because the Atlanta Journal Constitution tried to get a huge controversy uh started around how Olivia Wilde portrayed uh one of the, the journalists uh, mm-hmm. in the movie and so like people uh, started doing you know avoiding the movie because of some of that stuff yeah it bombed to the box office and I think that's kind of doing a disservice to this film because Paul Walter Hauser was fantastic Sam Rockwell was great Kathy Bates nominated for an Oscar um, mm-hmm. and uh, I I think Rockwell and uh, Hauser probably should have been nominated or at least in contention i don't know how close they were to being nominated but they were just amazing uh in their roles just the the story itself is fantastic as far as kind of exploring how the government and the media can kind of turn a story from a positive to a negative just with no real evidence or information just on like a a bit of a hunch Mm -hmm. and uh it would have been you know we did it last year we did a series on media and the movies uh or media depiction of media and movies and this would have been a great movie to include in that and maybe if we do another set of those we can do this one but uh just amazing uh start to finish loved it great acting Mm-hmm. entertaining story and uh yeah a real good insight of uh who richard jewell was to piggyback on that i talked about it bombing i don't think it bombed because of the boycott it bombed because paul Walt- walter hauser uh, regardless of how much i like him because he's fantastic and i tanya and mm. other things i've seen him in you know he's not a big name and he is richard jewell and so you have like Sam Rockwell and Kathy Bates, but they're, you know, supporting characters not in the trailer as much. Right. And it it opened up against, God, what was it? 
right around the time Star Wars came out, there's a bunch of big movies that came out. And so it was kind of easy to miss, basically. Yeah. It needs that star power. Yeah, it came out December 13th, which is a week before Star Wars. I forget what else came out the 13th, but there were some big movies that opened against. But yeah, I'm uh, very interested in seeing this. And usually Clint Eastwood, as director, I would think would, would drive uh, people to the box office, mm-hmm. but... Uh, in today's climate, he's kind of going against the grain in Hollywood. Yeah. And so I don't know if he uh, has the same kind of cachet with audiences as he once did. Well, the thing is, you know, 1517 in Paris, that was his last film. That didn't do well because it well, didn't have any stars in it. It's the real people. That's true. But before that, American Sniper, that did gangbusters. What? Well, he did The Mule. I don't know what The Sorry, Mule did. did. The, well, I don't. He, he didn't direct that, did he? Yeah, he did. He did? Okay. And then he acted. That did okay. It didn't, you know. Yeah. It wasn't great. I'm sure it did more than did more business than Richard Jewell in 1517, but. Uh, probably. It wasn't a bomb. It probably didn't take much to make either. But, you know, American Sniper was a huge hit, and that was, what, four years ago? Probably at least four, yeah. So I think he's st- he can still pack the theaters, but there's got to be star power. Yeah. All right, my number five, Parasite. Not in my top ten. Directed by Bang Joon-ho, starring Kang Ho-sang, Sun Kun Lee, Yo Jong-jo, Woo Sik Choi, Sodan Park, Jung Un Lee, and those are the only names I'm going to butcher. Synopsis. All unemployed, Kai Tech and his family take peculiar interest in the wealthy and glamorous parks as they ingratiate themselves into their lives and get entangled in an unexpected incident. Uh, I was highly entertained from start to finish in this film. I know some of the few of the detractors would point to how heavy handed it is, and it is. It doesn't, I mean, for me, I don't even have to agree with its message wholeheartedly to appreciate it. I didn't like any of the characters. <laughs> I thought there was no, there's, they entertain me. There's very little redeeming value to any of these people. Yeah, and I hope there's a way that they can all lose. <laughs> <laughs> I still found some, you know, a couple of redeemable characters, but I also sometimes really like films that mix genres. Mm-hmm. And this was comedy. This was drama. This was suspense. This was horror. It was like four rolled into one. Mm-hmm. Different. It was kind of like tone shifts. Maybe it was like, well, you know, maybe like the the last quarter of the movie is a horror movie, maybe, or, you know, yeah. so different sections of the film or different things kind of. Mm-hmm. But um, I could see myself watching this, maybe not every year, but close to it. Like I, I was entertained that much. I had a great time watching it. Laughed a lot. A lot of good tension, I thought. Mm-hmm. A couple of bad shit crazy scenes. Um, yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about it. Uh, I can appreciate the message. All right. Even if I don't want to, you know, turn into a socialist tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind class warfare films. Maybe I missed the message, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, he's he's done that before with Snowpiercer, which I also love. And you all, well, you didn't you like Parasite more than you like Snowpiercer? Probably, I probably like the first half of Snowpiercer <laughs> best, but as a whole movie, Parasite is better than Snowpiercer. <laughs> uh, class warfare could be fun it's, once they get out of that last tr- uh, train car and pe- Snowpiercer. It just kind of goes to shit for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> All right, so, that's a TV show now. Yeah, on uh, on TNT. So I've been told. What is your number five? My number five is probably gonna ruffle some of your feathers because it's uncut gems. My number one, the bullet. I thought you were gonna put like number ten as your uncut gems. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, well, I was debating my number ten, and I was like, well, I won't pick that. That is. <laughs> I'll save Brett some trouble. <laughs> All right, let's get to the details for Uncut Gems. Directed by the Safdie brothers, Benny and Josh. Starring Adam Sandler, Julia Fox, Com Clementif, Lakeith Stanfield, uh, Idina Menzel, Tasha Leone, Eric Bog- Bogosian, Kevin Garnett, Wayne Diamond, and Judd Hirsch. Synopsis. A charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for the next big score, makes a series of high-stakes bets that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime. Howard must perform a precarious high-wire act, balancing business, family, and encroaching adversaries on all sides in in his relentless pursuit of the ultimate win. I almost cut you off taking that breath between sentences there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did that last time, I think. What a great movie. Uncut Gems. Yeah. It's a real gem of a movie. Adam Sandler. Like, dude, you could do, like, movies that don't involve your comedy. (laughs) Like, you could probably, like, alternate. Like, you don't have to go, like, five, ten years between Mm -hmm. good movies. That's the thing. Like, he's still, I mean, he's not hilarious in here, but he has, you know, enough funny moments where, and it doesn't really, isn't really from him doing jokes. It's just kind of his charisma, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, he could be funny without even trying. Yeah. And it, he Sometimes did, more so than when he is trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's fantastic. I love this movie. I think you, lo- obviously you love it more than me, but it's it's a great movie. A uh, lot of tension. A great story. Fantastic uh, pacing, you know, gets your heart moving. Yeah. For someone who uh, deals with some anxiety, this, uh, whoo, I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> the last, what, like half hour or so, it is like, they're just not, I don't want to spoil it, but like there isn't like a lot of action with the characters themselves, but like it's some of the most intense, like 30 minutes of any movie. <laughs> And it's like they they really suck you in with uh with the uh the story and get you kind of feeling what the characters are feeling and and get that empathy in there mm-hmm. and uh you're you're along for the ride they did a fantastic job directing it writing it whatever you know the whole the whole movie is great should have got nominated for Oscars yeah I was kind of pissed that they uh. The Academy kind of snubbed their nose at Sandler for 
doing a bunch of big budget crap movies. He didn't play the game. It's like, well, he's done good work before. This isn't the first time. You know, Punch Drunk Love. Uh, I haven't seen the Meyerowitz stories, but I heard he's good in there. He's tried other dramatic work, or at least... Um, like yeah. they, I never saw The Cobbler, but I know that was like an indie film where like he was... I think it was like a light comedy drama type of deal. I'm not sure, but he got I, panned. I don't think I've seen any of his other serious movies. Rain Over Me? Uh, I never saw that either. That? Uh, I liked him in there. I don't think he necessarily should have been nominated for an Oscar or anything for that movie, but I can't remember if that was before or after Punch Drunk Love. Isn't Rain Over Me like uh, his wife died in 9-11 or something? His wife and I think three daughters died oh. in one of the planes. A crash in the World Trade Center. Yeah. And he's not having an easy go. Sounds like a real downer. Yeah, it is a bit of a downer. Um, Do they just play that Who song through the whole thing? <laughs> uh, I thought he was good in there, though. It was one of those movies where like, yeah, you should try more of these. Right. But I think it was kind of a bomb, and he was like, all right, I'm going back to going on vacations with my friends with video cameras. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, even like Uncut Gems, like he's still playing a character. Mm-hmm. Like he likes, like some of his movies, he's just himself, but like there's, there's other movies where like the water boy or little Nicky, like he's, he likes playing characters, but this is just like a more realistic character. Yeah. Usually in those other movies, it's, he's kind of playing the same character. <laughs> just <laughs> little Nicky and the water boy are pretty similar. Just over the top. Just it's goofy the sound. And, yeah. yeah. Whereas this one, like he gets to be. Like he can be like a Jewish stereotype in this movie, and uh, but uh, like I'm sure he probably he's from New York, right? So he probably knows people like this, mm-hmm. like the character that he's playing, and he's just imitating people that he knows. I mean, I think I, I would have picked him over Joaquin to win the Oscar if he was nominated, and uh, I mean, you could say Sandler did a transformation too. He put on like ten, fifteen pounds for this role. And uh, he wore fake teeth, yeah. you know, dentures, put a mole on his face. You know, you know how hard that is. I'm sure that was a whole <laughs> five minutes of makeup. You got to get in a trunk naked. But it's like Rami Malek won last year for wearing fake teeth the whole movie. And lip syncing. <laughs> yeah. <lip-syncing. laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just thought he was fantastic in here. And a bit of a personal bias since I, I could relate to the character more since I lived with a degenerate gambler kind of like him. <laughs> Gotta love Kevin Garnett in there. Yeah, uh, Kevin Garnett the really impressed me. The Minnesota connection, Kevin yep. Garnett. Oh, love me some Garnett. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was great. Very surprising how natural he was, even though he's playing himself. Like mm-hmm. he could have been, you know, come off real stiff uh, yeah. and you know rigid and uncomfortable in his role, but like he was very natural, very much himself, very easy, very fluid performance and. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, uh, great to see something like that. Yeah, I've grown quite fond of the uh, Safety brothers, and I can't wait for their next uh, project. Good Time was their film from a couple of years ago, Robert Pattinson, which I really liked a lot. So yeah, um, like the new guys on the street uh, for me in terms of when I'm excited about. Did you see Lakeith? Them and like maybe S. Craig Zoller and yeah. Nicholas Winding Refn and those type of people. Did you see Lakeith Stanfield said that he wants <laughs> yeah. to be the Joker in a Joker movie directed by the Safety brothers. Yeah. I was like, we just had a Joker movie. Yeah. Like, 
Wait, wait till people see me do it. Like we don't have to have a Joker movie every year. That's like a different Joker. Well, he said he's been making movies like Joker movies, a good chunk of his life. Lakeith or uh, Lakeith. Yeah. Says so he goes home and just videotapes himself, makes his own Joker <laughs> movies. But he showed up that uh, the other night with the Joker makeup on. He's like, "Well, I went home and I, uh, I had camera there. I had still all the makeup on, so I <laughs> made some more Joker stuff." I didn't. Uh, I didn't realize till I saw this that he is also in Knives Out, and it's very different characters. Mm. Lakeith Stanfield, he plays a, a very, not necessarily like by the book, but a a very respectable. Uh, police detective and knives out yeah and then uh and uncut gems he's a he's a dealer of fake rolexes who hangs <laughs> out with nba players yeah all right what is your number so that was, that my, was your five that right? was my number five my number four is a bit of a cheat but not it's a tv movie oh deadwood the movie I've not seen it, so it's not on my list. As I said, when it came out and I talked about it on the show, you know, the, it, there was some premieres in movie theaters. I don't think it got an official release because I don't think it made a box office. But it was on the home box office, HBO, and so it, it can just be considered like a Netflix It's not movie. TV. It's not, if it's on HBO, it's not TV. <laughs> so That's what I've been led to believe. Directed by Daniel Minahan, starring Timothy Oliphant, Ian McShane, Molly Parker, Paula Malcolmson, W. Earl Brown, Kim Dickens, Brad Dorif, Anna Gunn, John Hawks, basically everyone from the series who hasn't passed away. Mm. Although apparently that's not an impediment to putting actors in movies anymore. Nope. Synopsis. As the residents of Deadwood gather to commemorate Dakota's statehood in 1889, saloon owner Al Swearingen and Marshal Seth Bullock clash with Senator George Hurst. So I love the series Deadwood. The third season, which was the final season, was my favorite. I was loving it so much. And then the last episode was just kind of a letdown. It's like they're going to mm-hmm. end it here. Because like, I knew I'd watched it, you know, um, long after the show had ended. So I knew mm-hmm. that was the last episode. And like, it's not like the episode is bad, but how they, it ends is like, I can't believe there's not another season. Like they didn't know it was going to end when they filmed it. Yeah. And I think this movie gives it the ending it deserves. Hmm. And enough of the cast is still around, still in uh, top form. Ian McShane, Timothy Oliphant, John Hawks. Uh, cast is incredible in here. And they didn't seem to miss a beat at all. It was like getting the gang back together, and it worked. Hmm. Works like gangbusters. Yeah, it was just it was still funny and charming as ever. Had some good drama, a couple shootouts here and there. If you're a fan of Deadwood, I hope you've already seen it. But if not, you got to check it out. All right. Loved Deadwood the movie. So we're on to my number four, The Lighthouse. Didn't make my list. Honorable mention. I loved it. Directed by Robert Eggers. Stars Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Synopsis. Two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity whilst 
living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. I loved pretty much everything about this movie. Mm-hmm. I loved the look of it. I, I liked how the uh, so the aesthetic, the visuals, how he, he intentionally made it look like a, a very old movie uh, with the black and white and the the aspect ratio that he chose to use. Acting was just top-notch. Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe played off each other perfectly. You get that creepy vibe. Did I say that right? Creepy vibe throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a little bit of mystery in there, a little bit of suspense, a little bit of comedy, uh, and I, I thought it all came together very well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and I loved The Lighthouse as my number four movie of the year. Yeah, I could see it making my list after another watch. It's just, you know, I liked I liked The Witch so much more than I liked The Lighthouse, but I still like The Lighthouse. And you're right, the performances were, you know, terrific. Yeah. And, and I was just, I was a bit under, underwhelmed, I guess. But I'm sure I could have... There's a chance of me appreciating it more after a second watch. I could see that. I think maybe pick up on some more or really know what you're getting into. I think that helps too. Like not having uh, certain expectations. Yeah. Especially as he probably gathered. I'm not really married to the number like eight, nine, ten movies on my list. Right. There's a, a few on the honorable mentions like this one is that could easily jump into the list right. somewhere next year. But yeah, I'm still really excited for what Robert Eggers uh, does next. Good stuff. So there's only one movie left on my list. My number three, because I already went over two and one. So I got uh, number two and number one to go. Yeah. Number two for me, or sorry, number three for me. Dragged Across Concrete. That was uh, outside my top ten. All right. Directed by S. Craig Zoller. Starring Mel Gibson, Vince Vaughn, Tori Kittles, Michael Jai White, Thomas Krishman, Jennifer Carpenter, and Lori Holden. Synopsis. Once two overzealous cops get suspended from the force, they must delve into the criminal underworld to get their proper compensation. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, as Craig Zoller is one of those filmmakers who I'm so excited for you know whatever they're working on next, mm. and uh, yeah, he did not disappoint with this one. I love all three of his films: Bone Tomahawk, Brawl in Cell Block '99, and now this. I think this guy's just on a roll. I like the types of movies he makes. They really have like a a gritty '70s feel, almost like a not like a grindhouse feel, but like a it's gritty in 70s, I guess is yeah. the best way to describe it. Um, th- there's a lot of 70s music on the soundtrack. Car Mel Gibson drives. That's got to be a late 70s, right? Probably. But the performances are terrific in here. Mel's back in uh, fine form. Vince Vaughn's really good. Mm-hmm. He was terrific in uh, Brawl and Subway 99 as well. But uh, Tori Kittles, I thought that was the other big snub. I thought he should have been nominated for... Uh, Best supporting actor. Yeah, he was he was really good in this. I loved a lot of the dialogue, especially with him. 
He had a lot of like one-liners, like move like you and fast forward, mm-hmm. uh, th- things of that nature. A lot of catchy dialogue that he delivered uh, with perfection. Slow burn of a movie, but a lot of good tension, I thought. A lot uh, of unexpected twists and turns. Yeah. A lot of relevant themes. In today's climate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was yeah, culturally relevant to today. Great performances. I'd say outside of Uncut Gems, uh, this had some of the best tension. I mean, Midsummer movies like that, you know, it's more of a horror, so I, mm-hmm. I guess I could see that. But for, like, thriller-wise, that, I guess, doesn't have a horror connotation. Right. This would have been, uh, I think, second knockout gems, I think, especially towards the end. Kind of mm. ramps up. Yep. Now what are they going to do? Okay, now what are they going to do? <laughs> this has not gone well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, love to drag across concrete. So I have to finish up with my number two and my number one. Mm-hmm. Neither one apparently made your list. No. Nope. I'm sure, they're honorable mentions, and you can probably guess what they are. Yeah, because uh, I rated um on the show throughout the year. Uh, number two is us. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it earlier. Hashtag What about us? Actually, us didn't even make my honorable mentions. Oh, I loved us. <laughs> I saw it in the theater, and it was it was one of the the movies that I saw before I joined the A list, and I was excited to see it in the theater, and it. It lived up to and exceeded my expectations, and it's, I don't know, we'll get into it a little bit. It's written and directed by Jordan Peele, stars Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, Tim Heidecker, Shahadi Wright, Joseph, Evan Alex, that's probably enough, Uh, synopsis, a family's serene beach vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorize them. So I, I liked uh, kind of the surrealness of this entire uh, screenplay. I really enjoyed the uh, the kind of give and take and the, the mystery surrounding where the uh, the doppelgangers came from and what they want, what, what are they. And they don't necessarily explain a lot of it away. It's... Uh, it's kind of left open to your imagination. I guess they explained some of it. But, yeah. But uh, the acting was fantastic. I thought there was a lot of humor in it. Jordan Peele is a fantastic writer and director. I always enjoyed his work on uh, Mad TV and Key and Peele. Mm-hmm. Um, Get Out, uh, I didn't care for as much as this one. But, uh Yeah. Us, it really hit me uh, the right way, and I loved it. Uh, there was things in it I liked quite a bit, but overall, I was just meh. I, I was disappointed. I like Get Out uh, much more than Us. Some of it is just because the big twist I yeah. knew right away. So I, everyone was talking about how good of a twist it was, like on social media. I'm like, really? That was like the first thing I asked. And usually I don't figure out a lot of twists in movies. Some of it is because I, I try not to think about the yeah. ending. Some are surprised. Some of it's because I'm not the smartest person in the world. So like that was the first thing I thought of. And then 
turned out to be correct. Uh, yeah, performances are good, and there was uh, definitely some funny parts. I thought. Yeah. I thought the best scene was at their friends, the friend's house. The uh, Alexa scene. Yeah. Call the police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a. I, I that love the best that. Scene, I, I love that scene. Um, as far as the toys go, I don't. I probably wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, and when it happened, I don't know if I was like super blown away about it. It made sense. Like trying mm-hmm. to put the puzzle pieces together. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I took it as like, oh my God, that twist is so great. I love that twist. It was just like, I loved everything about the movie up to that point. And then like mm-hmm. uh, when they kind of, you know, revealed that part of it, I, uh, I thought, oh man, that's, that's pretty cool too. You know, yeah. that, that makes, uh, that makes sense. For a movie that starts in 1986, my birth year, it shouldn't be hard for me to love that movie. <laughs> She, she does wear a Michael Jackson shirt in it, though, <laughs> which is a little weird. He made Thriller. <laughs> thriller. Um, all right, so what's your number one? My number one. Is it from 2019? <laughs> and is it another year? It, it uh, yeah, it's called 1917. <laughs> I was blown away by this. It's directed by Sam Mendes. Stars, or, uh, stars Dean Charles Chapman, George McKay, uh, Colin Firth. Let's pick some of the big names out of here. Andrew Scott, Mark Strong, and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is also on there. Synopsis. April 6, 1917, as a regiment assembles to wage war deep in enemy territory... Two soldiers are assigned to race against time and deliver a message that will stop 1,600 men from walking straight into a deadly trap. Ooh. I uh, I was looking forward to this, uh, but I didn't know w- how much I would like it. I'm not usually into war movies. Mm-hmm. They're not the ones that I usually go out of my way to see. But there's something about you know the, the trailers that, that hooked me. And uh, I loved how they kind of put you in the movie with the characters and kind of threw you in, threw you in the action. So you're kind of feeling what they're feeling. You don't know what's coming over your shoulder. You don't know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought they did a fantastic job of building that tension and, and really kind of uh, bring you along for the ride. I thought the acting was fantastic. Special effects were great. Cinematography and score were awesome. Uh, just overall blew me away. Loved 1917. Um, I thought about putting this as my number nine or ten. I'm like, well, I can't blow up Brett's <laughs> list. <laughs> just, you know, trying to put it on there. So I was like, well, you know, I can always reassess after I see it again. Maybe it could make make it higher up the list. Maybe like a seven or a six. It's like I wasn't as enamored with it as you were. I thought it was technically well made. I didn't think the acting was as good as you did. Well, you also missed like the first minute and a half or two minutes. No, like I said 30 seconds probably. Wow. But it, like I said, it, that could have affected how I enjoyed the movie. But the two main characters, I thought they were good. I didn't think they were bad. I thought they were all right. But thinking about a movie where, you know, it's one long shot, 
Uh, I thought they did that better in Birdman, or at least I thought the performances were a lot better in Birdman. Well, I, um, I, I think the main actors were great for what they were meant to be. Yeah. They're young soldiers, inexperienced, on a, a mission where they're probably underqualified to do it. Uh, they're scared to death, not really having seen probably a lot of action. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're thrust into no man's land. And uh, I thought, you know, like I said, I, I think they did a great job with what they were they were meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just a bit, I know, underwhelmed, I guess. But, yeah, on a rewatch I could see myself putting it on the list. I think it... it and I didn't want to just force it into number 10. Because <laughs> I probably liked it, well... And I saw it at the Dolby. So there's a few movies like Joker and stuff that I liked yeah. about the same. But I I saw it at the Dolby Theater, so I don't know if that gave it a little bit of a boost. Yeah, because like the the sound in the Dolby Theater is fantastic. Uh, they really do a great job with it there, and uh, I think that really helped in a couple of scenes where you're kind of creeping along with them, very careful, and then something happens and. Mm-hmm. It it hits you even harder than it would uh, on a, like a normal theater. Yeah, but uh, I loved it. I my number one movie, nineteen seventeen. So on the website, when I finally update the ratings list, <laughs> it's been a while. Nineteen seventeen will be will be getting an ASAP rating, as will Uncut Gems, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for our upcoming episodes on. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the OG, Little Big League, and more recently seen uh, episodes to come as well. You want to throw out some uh, honorable mentions? Yeah, we could do that. Because I pretty much mentioned a bunch of them on your list for honorable mentions, except for us, I guess. It was like the only (laughs) one that was not an honorable mention. And the only other ones I had were John Wick 3. Yeah, I didn't like Uh, that one. Didn't you like it the most out of all of them? Uh, I mean, it didn't say no, much, but you liked no, out of the... I liked the first one the best. Okay. Uh, Marriage Story. I was also close to getting to my number 10. It's technically, I had that at at 10, mm-hmm. but I was like, I don't know if I could put Deadwood in or not, because I knew I was going to put Deadwood in at four. Yeah. Um, Velvet Buzzsaw, I thought was a lot of fun. It was on, it's a Netflix movie, Dan yeah. Gilbury. Yeah, I didn't see that one. The guy who did Nightcrawler. So it has Rene Russo in it. Of and course. Tony Collette. It's a 2019 movie of Tony Collette, and you didn't see it. Well, I, I saw enough Tony Collette movies. Uh, Climax. I, sorry, continue. No, I was, I was just trying to remember. I know how much you like to wax did. poetic about Tony Collette. So. Um, Climax, I thought, was uh, fun at times. Is a strange, unique movie from Gaspar Noe or Noe, and uh, The Irishman is the other uh, honorable mention that hasn't been mentioned thus far. So, uh, fighting with my family was at number ten until I saw Far- uh, Ford vs Ferrari, so it just got aced out. Mm. Um, Queen and Slim, I I really liked that one. I really want to see that. I was uh, I I really enjoyed it. There's there's some things in there that they probably uh, could have done better, but like overall, it's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jumanji, the next level, 
Fucking great. It was um, next level. Danny DeVito and Danny Glover really add a lot comedically, uh, especially when they're in Jumanji and Kevin Hart and uh, The Rock are pretending to be them. Yeah. You're going to hate this. Three from Hell <laughs> was fucking great. I loved Three from Hell. And then uh, It Chapter 2 and uh, Rambo Last Blood will be the last two that I mentioned as honorable mentions. All right. So, yeah, look out for our future episodes. We've got a lot coming down the pipeline here. And uh, you can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis__movie and Brett at PositivelyWolf1. Please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, many other podcast apps. And uh, check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. And Brett, where can people go to get some of our lovely merch? Maybe support the show a teensy bit financially? Yeah, go to Teespring.com slash stores slash WTMWatchThisMovie. Uh, that link is also in both of our Twitter po- uh, profiles. Uh, it's also in my pinned tweet. So uh, check it out. Tons of designs, uh, a lot of different options available. And uh, your purchase helps the show. And then you can uh, give us a little advertising, too, if you enjoy yeah. the show. Let it around. Let people know. Maybe I'll start wearing that uh, Ask Me About My Podcast <laughs> shirt. You should just wear it as an undershirt, and then you can unbutton your <laughs> your shirt whenever somebody starts talking to you, <laughs> just slowly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.